0: Good to have my father here and uh, want him to come. Praise the Lord.
1: Thank you. It is good to be here and happy Father's Day to uh, all of the uh, fathers, grandfathers, great grandfathers, and maybe great great grandfathers. Uh, I think that um, I don't know who did all this, put in these holidays from number one, two and three, but I think they got mixed up when they put Father's Day way down. I vote to put Father's Day up there with (laughs) Mother's Day and Christmas. praise the lord um it is good to be here and i am glad to be with my son and his wife and uh, my two granddaughters uh and and sheena and caitlin and then of course um, i told siobhan i said you're the first one that made me great i'm now great so my Great granddaughters, Siobhan, Teagan, and the newest, the latest, uh, Isla Joanne. Uh, I think she's here, right? But in the other area. But I'm glad to be with all of them, and uh, glad that you are here. And uh, uh, it was such an honor to stand up here with all the 50-year-olds being i'm a little older <laughs> well thank the lord it, it is good to be in the house of the lord father's day or every day uh, that uh, the house of the lord is open for service i'm always glad to be there and i thank god that we can be there i was thinking of a father, besides the Heavenly Father, but I was thinking of a father in God's Word that uh, when I was asked to say something Father's Day, I thought, well, what father in the the Bible? And I I just went way back to Genesis and I was uh, reading about some fathers, and I found a father that was 65 years old. Of course, now on this day, that was young. 65 years old, and he had his first child. First child, 65. The child's name was Methuselah. Methuselah happened to be the oldest living person in the world, lived to be, what, 969 years. And I went back to the book of Genesis and uh, I started reading about this father and uh, I, uh, I'm not at all uh, thrilled or it doesn't really do me too good spiritually. When I get into the genealogies so-and-so begot so-and-so and lived so many years and begot sons and daughters so-and-so begot so-and-so and it goes on and on and all the begots and the begets and and uh, uh i think well there's uh what it's interesting and uh, but it's just uh, genealogy or the uh history uh generations uh, that uh are recorded and it's very good, but it's not the most thrilling thing to read about. But I was reading in Genesis, the fifth chapter, and this is the Adam's family record, and uh, it is genealogies. It starts out this is the book of the genealogies of Adam, and so I went on reading, and it really was not too thrilling until I got down to about the 18th verse, that chapter, and it says, Jared lived 162 years, and he begot Enoch. Well, then you go a few more verses, and it says that Jared lived to be the second oldest man in God's word uh, in the world. And uh, then it says that Jared begot Enoch. And then you get down to the 21st verse. It says, And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begot Methuselah. So he's 65 years old and had his first child. And then I went to the 22nd verse. It says, And Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah 300 years, and he begot sons and daughters. And what made me read it again and read it again, in fact, I went to the Torah, uh, that I have a Jewish Bible, the law, and, uh, and so I went and I read it in the, the Torah, the Jewish Bible, Enoch walked with God for 300 years after begetting Methuselah, and he begot sons and daughters. Almost pretty close to what we have in the King James Version. Little different wording, but it has one word in there that just stopped me, and that was that Enoch walked with God after, and I said, well, and I started trying to find out. I said, well, surely he walked with God 65 years before, but it says after, and I kept thinking, well, why would the Lord be so specific in the Torah and in the King James Version to put the word that Enoch walked with God after HE HAD HIS FIRST CHILD. THEN I BEGAN TO THINK, WELL, I REMEMBER WHEN MY SON WAS BORN, FIRST CHILD, IN FACT, THE ONLY CHILD WE WERE PRIVILEGED TO HAVE. AND I THOUGHT, WELL, There is a responsibility. I believe that Enoch walked with God before, but it says this after. And somehow I believe that Enoch developed a sense of responsibility. Now I have my first son. I have to love him or her, my first child, I have to love this child. I have a responsibility to love this child. I have a responsibility to provide for this child. I have a responsibility to help care for this child. I have a responsibility to Guide this child as he begins to grow. Direct him. Also have a responsibility to teach this child how to walk with God. Enoch walked with God 300 years after he begot Methuselah. That's the longest walk with God. Of anyone in the Bible, no one walked any longer than 300 years he walked with God. There's very very little in the Old Testament about Enoch. There's a little more in the New Testament. And the New Testament tells us that he had a testimony that he pleased God. This for all, but directly I'm remarking to fathers. We have a responsibility and an obligation to walk with God. To please God means to be agreeable with God. Now, I'm from the extreme north, Minnesota. And when my wife and I, she's from the south, Louisiana. Wife and I were first married. I had much difficulty walking slow. And I'd always be three steps ahead of her. And she'd say, honey, slow down a bit. Oh, wait away. Wherever we went, if we went shopping, I'd be three steps ahead. And so I had to blame it on somebody. So I said, honey, I've been born in the north. In the north, we walk fast, but we sing slow. I said, you're in the South. You walk slow, but you sing fast. But guess what I had to do? I had to slow down, and she had to speed up a little bit so we could get in harmony or agree we had to walk together. Walking with God is in that same situation. You don't get too fast, don't go too fast and get ahead of God. Not too slow when you get too far behind, but you walk pleasing with God. Same pace that God has, uh, agreeable with, with God. When you are in step with God, fathers, You are in fellowship with God. There's a communion. There's a faithfulness. There's uh, an obedience. There's a consistency in walking together. And I thought, God, as a father, I have a responsibility to walk with God And I thought, well, Lord, it's difficult because we live in such an ungodly world, and it seemed like it's getting more ungodly, more sinful, more wickedness. And then I went back and I said, this is in Genesis, the fifth chapter, talks about Enoch walking with God. In the sixth chapter, it says God was so displeased with that generation that he repented. Enoch walked with God in a sinful world, in an ungodly world, because you go to the seventh chapter and the flood came. God said, I've got to destroy them. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But he said, I, so the days of Enoch were sinful days like they are today. But Enoch said, I'm gonna walk with God step by step. And we're living in an ungodly world, yes, but we, our responsibility is to walk with God step by step. And I pray each father, each grandfather, great-grandfather that's here today, Get in step with God, walk with Him. This is the greatest thing that we can do today in a sinful world, is to walk with God. God bless you as you walk with the Lord.
0: Praise the Lord. It is a privilege and an honor to have my father here with us, my mother, of course, but um, I um, I he turns ninety this year in August. So uh glad he's here and <clears throat> appreciate his leadership over the years and I do appreciate our two daughters. Both of them happen to be here today, Sheena and Caitlin and um they got to be involved in the Mother's Day service, so my sons get to be involved today. Brother David Post uh, spoke this morning already about <clears throat> seventy times seven. Brother Nick Hancock read uh, Matthew seven eleven, and uh, I preached a sermon many many years ago. Oh, thank heaven for seven eleven. Used to be a store about 7 Eleven. So we've had a lot of sevens today. Love Brother David. Appreciate him, his leadership. Love you very much. Lord bless you.
2: I've double clicked the side button, so it's trying to pay for Apple Pay on my phone. So we've got that corrected. Uh, I've just got a few uh, verses and maybe some notes or comments uh, to make. But if we look, Happy Father's Day to everybody who is here today. Uh, and if you're not a father in the physical sense, uh, I can look around and see those who have, and I see seats that are empty of that I can recall men who have been fathers and been a father figure to me or to others in our church. And that's the beauty of being part of a body and of a family, is if if you don't have a father or a mother, the church provides that for you. If you don't have a son or a daughter, the church provides that for you. Uh, It's a great blessing. But if we look in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, uh, reading in the Amplified, it says, "Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and terrible day of the that the Lord comes. And he shall turn and reconcile the hearts of the estranged fathers to the ungodly children, and the hearts of the rebellious children to the piety of their fathers. A reconciliation produced by repentance of the ungodly." lest I come and smite the land with a curse and a ban of utter destruction. You can go back to that previous screen. I'll we'll just leave that up. But this is actually, you know, the, the great and terrible day that the Lord comes. Uh, we feel like we're in the last days, that we're in those terrible days. Uh, but this is this is really more of a uh, discussion about John the Baptist and coming. And so uh, it's hard to think that for 2,000 years, these have been the terrible days and, and we're we're just now seeing, you know what, what we think are, man, it surely can't get any worse than this. Um, but what I think is important here uh, is, that there is this turning. And we heard last week Brother Vinny Azzalini talk about uh, there's going to be a reconciliation of the backsliders. The prodigals are going to return home. And this verse to me was meaningful about what my role as a father is for my family and others around me. And it says... Here, estranged fathers, and you may find that that is a strange pairing of words, but essentially estranged just means to be separate, intentionally separate, and usually we view that in a negative context, Uh, but here fathers are supposed to be deliberately separate from the ungodly, Now, heaven forbid, any of us have to deal with ungodly children, uh, but I think a lot of us could probably raise our hands and say, either at times, our children have maybe been that way, or maybe I've been that way as a child, uh, but the hearts of those rebellious children can be reconciled to the piety of their fathers Now what does that mean? That means their righteousness, their religious convictions. So that means that the fathers had to hold on to what they believed, regardless of how their family was behaving or those around them. They had to deliberately separate themselves, estrange themselves from the world around them and hold on to the truth. And through that, A reconciliation of the ungodly is allowed if you weren't convicted as a father this morning about what your role is that verse put me in my place next I want to take you down to Luke 1 17 and again this is uh, talking uh, about Uh, John the Baptist again and he himself will go before him in spirit and power of Elijah and turn back the hearts of the father to the children and the disobedient and incredulous and unpersuadable to the wisdom of the upright which is the knowledge and holy love of the will of God in order to make ready for the Lord a people perfectly prepared in spirit adjusted and disposed and placed in the right moral state. That's the path that we're paving. And if you'll walk with me just a little bit on this. Here we were talking about John the Baptist and the way that he was preparing and how he's supposed to be preparing the people for the the Lord. In Jeremiah 315, it says, and I will give you spiritual shepherds after my own heart in the final time who will feed you with knowledge and understanding and judgment. I'm grateful that we've been given a father here at church who I believe God has appointed in this final time and every week you have the opportunity to gain knowledge understanding and how you're able to apply that with judgment to your life and it, it is each and every one of us as a father as a man as a mother as a woman is called to behave these way we know that talks about how husbands should treat their wives that's to be an example but in 1st Corinthians 13 4 through 10 it says love endures long and is patient and kind love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy is not boastful or vainglorious does not display itself haughty it is not conceited arrogant and inflated with pride it is not rude unmannerly and does not act unbecomingly love God's love in us does not insist on its own rights or its own way for it is not self-seeking it is not touchy or fretful or resentful it takes no account of the evil done to it it pays no attention to a suffered wrong it does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness but rejoices when right and truth prevail love bears up under anything and everything that comes is ever ready to believe the best of every person its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances and it endures everything without weakening love never fails never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. As for prophecy, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, it will be fulfilled and passes away. As for tongues, they will be destroyed and ceased. As for knowledge, it will pass away. It will lose its value and be superseded by truth. For our knowledge is fragmentary, incomplete, imperfect, imperfect. and our prophecy, our teaching is fragmentary incomplete and imperfect. But when the complete and perfect total comes, the incomplete and imperfect will vanish away, become antiquated, void, and superseded. I'm glad that not only do we have a father here at church, a father I get to deal with on a personal level, that I think exemplifies all of these things. It's patient, it's kind, understanding, loving, but that we know the Heavenly Father that does all of these things perfectly. And one day, hopefully very soon, we will get to meet him and get to relish in the truth that he has for us. Lord bless you, happy
0: Father's Day. Brother David Guy Barrett, the newest father probably in our church, uh, lost his father a few years ago. I wore my Australian tie today. And, uh, but we're glad that they're here today when brought Isla Joe, And he had a baptism by fire. He was uh, changing his daughter and all of a sudden she exploded. (laughs) And uh, I think they've saved the worst diapers for him, but he's done good. Love you, David, good to have you here.
3: Thank you. Um, As you just heard, yes, um, my little daughter does tend to poor me quite a bit, but that's all part of being a father. Um, first of all, it's so great to see everyone here today. Um, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you guys. Um, you know, Father's Day for me is usually one of the hardest days for me. I lost my father um, eight years ago and, um, you know, I reflect back and now I have a, have a daughter off my own. I think I'm finally getting to understand just how much what a father is like my father was the greatest man I knew and he loved me through every stupid silly thing I did and I looked at my I look at this little one and I'm just overwhelmed Like I look at her little face in my hand and I'm like what a miracle that is that I'm looking at and I think, she hasn't done anything to deserve my love. If anything, she's put my wife through torture. But you know, that's all part of it. I look at, I look at the, my heavenly father, and I'm just like, I have put my heavenly father through torture. I didn't deserve this. I never did but God comes along as a father does he picks me up he says son i know you've done a b c d but i'll still love you no matter what you know he loved us before we knew him and i didn't know my daughter i look at her now i look at my wife and it's just amazing to me and then i look i look to my heavenly father and no matter what i've gone through losing my 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 earthly dad and i'm just overwhelmed at times you know i think if i love my daughter this much how much more does my heavenly father, love me. So for, for those of you that may have lost a father, just, just know that there is a heavenly father that does love you, that does care for you, that does seek you out. You know, I'm so grateful to know my heavenly father. And I think it's, finally, it's starting, to, starting to finally click for me. When I look at them, look at my daughter, I'll do anything for her. Just like how my Heavenly Father would do heaven, anything for me. So I'm so grateful that I have a Heavenly Father. And I'm actually so grateful that I have a great pastor. You know, he's a man of God that reflects the love of the church. I'm so grateful. That this this man right here has embraced me as a son. So Dad, I just want to say thank you for being the example, not just for me, but all these people out here for being this father. Thank you.
0: Praise the Lord. Well they have done well. And given every aspect from my dad's verses on walking with God to the David talking about the reconciliation of the father. And I, the verse Brother Nick read, Matthew 7, 11, that, our heavenly father knows how to give us good gifts all of that becomes part of really an understanding of what it means to be a father and i too want to thank all of the dads all of those that have served as fathers in a variety of measures and we're thankful that um, we are growing apostolic legacy and i want to wish all of our fathers a you know a happy father's day and i saw an acronym that fathers have to be forgiving they have to be an advisor they have to be a teacher they have to be a hero they have to be an encourager they have to be reliable they have to uh, you could go on to say they have to be a warrior, a protector, a provider and my dad mentioned some of those words as did um, both of David uh, the, both of the Davids and I I realized that like my dad said uh, finding fathers in the Bible that are just absolutely amazing are not Uh, The easiest task, although probably the most in the the New Testament, would be uh, the story of the prodigal son. And everybody's heard that story. And I can preach a a long time, hour, 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 after hour on the prodigal son. It's found in Luke, the 15th chapter. You can preach about uh, the dad and the willingness for the dad uh, to uh, try to talk to his son try to find uh, figure out a way to resolve the conflict. It was obvious that the unspoken in-between lines are two boys that are in great conflict with one another. An elder who feels like he is doing the right thing and the younger who is just ready, chomping at the bit to get out of there and to leave and spread his wings. And for... Numerous years, the dad was able to mitigate this conflict until finally, at some point, it came to a head and it explodes all over. Uh, with finally, the younger son saying, Absolutely no more. Give me what's mine, and I'm out of here. I no longer want to be part of this family. I'm through. I'm through with you. I'm through with my older brother. I'm through with everybody. And he walks out and he leaves and he goes and he spends his money and we know the story you can read it in Luke the 15th chapter you've read it you've understood it you've heard it and then we see the transformation of the younger son and I mentioned this Wednesday night when I was talking about how to change your life and change your attitude and change who you are is that first of all you have to come to yourself you have to realize realized, I've made a mistake, and he did, and he then realized, I will humble myself, and he then realized, you know what, my servants in my father's house have more than I, and he then he said, I will, I will, I will get up, I will go back, I will make my way back to my dad, and I will humble myself and say, dad, I am no longer worthy to be called your son, Make me a servant. And that sense of contrition and humility and repentance, if you will, as it's described in the Word of God, became this hallmark of the story that the younger son comes. And then, off script, the dad does something totally phenomenal. Luke, the 20, 15th chapter. In the 22nd verse, when he sees the younger coming, he says to his servants, bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again, he was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Amazing, and we know that that's very much a type of the heavenly father, because most earthly fathers could not hardly pass up an opportunity to say, okay, yeah, have you learned your lesson? Huh? Now look at me, son. I tried to tell you before you left, this was gonna happen. Huh? So we know that forgive, that kind of, what is that? Oh, boy. It would be hard not to, huh? At this moment, I'm gonna, now's my chance to drive home the point you blew it, boy. I just want to make sure you know that I still love you, but I want you to hear me say, but dad goes off script there. And he doesn't even talk about where the son has been, what he's been through. And you realize, as Brother David Guy said, that's what our heavenly father is light. And he mentioned that, you know, the Bible says, Amplified in Jeremiah 29, 11, and I'm, I'm in a hurry. It says, For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil, to give you hope, in your final outcome and for those of you who are biological fathers and even for those of you who are not, if you have the heart of a father and I'll, I'll even add the mother in there, you want your children to do well. You want them to be successful. In fact, if you're any kind of a parent, you want them to have more and do more and be better than you ever had. You want them to be able to experience things that you never experienced and to have more. and to Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's the love that David said he sees when he looks at this little baby. I want the best for them. Now, most of us don't make plans per se. I didn't plan on my daughter marrying David Post when we came here, I didn't plan on my other daughter finding a young man in Australia to marry. I didn't make some of those plans but you have plans and thoughts and hopes in a general sense but guess what (laughs) let me just explain it to you like this Uh, God has a plan and he's much more detailed than my plan he knows how many hair are on your head he knows where sparrows are he not huh you say oh he doesn't have a real plan i'm going to tell you as jeremiah said i you know the thoughts that i have for you and the plans that i have for you and it's a good plan it has hope i want you to succeed I want you to do well. And and there are hundreds of verses and it would take way too long to read them all, Isaiah, Old Testament said, I will bring the blind by a way that they know not. I will lead them in paths they have not known. I will make darkness into light before them and make uneven places into a plain. These things have I determined to do for them, and I will not leave them forsaken. And there are verses like that all through. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is never going to leave me. The Lord wants to be there. He has a plan. He has a plan. And I can only imagine that the father of the prodigal son had a plan for the prodigal. And the young man blew the plan. And he blew the money. And yet, Psalms 32 and 8, I, the Lord, will instruct you and teach you in the way you will go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. You go on, Psalms 37. The steps of a good man are directed and established by the Lord when he delights in his way and he busies himself with his every step. Psalms 48, for this God is our God forever. He will be our guide even until. I'm blessed to have my father, but as Brother David Guy said he lost his father eight years ago. Father's Day is a hard day. But our heavenly father said, I will be there until the day you die. Sure, oh, I wish I had my earthly father. But as he said, that very sense of promise that I have a heavenly father. We can go in the New Testament. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the... Now, as a father, as a child of God, John the 10th chapter says, The thief comes not but for to steal and kill and destroy, and I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly, have it more in abundance to the full till it overflows. Jesus said, I want you to have an awesome life. I want you to have a wonderful future. And yet, <coughs> as has already been stated, unfortunately, like the prodigal, like the ungodly son mentioned or children mentioned in Malachi, I have found myself sometimes off and yet forgetting that it my God will supply every need according to his riches and glory. Proverbs, the third chapter says, Lord, lean on, trust in, be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind. Do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge, no, recognize, acknowledge him and he will direct and make straight and plain your path. Be not wise in your own eyes, reverently fear and worship the Lord and turn entirely away from evil. I understand, you may say, well, you know, you don't know about my plans, but I'm here to tell you that there is a heavenly father that has a plan. He's got a good plan. He wants you to succeed and you need to consider him and talk to him every day and ask him about your plan and your future. When you don't, you're not rebelling against an earthly father, you're rebelling against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you're walking out to do what you think is best. But the beauty of it all is what happens when I have, as we all have, done our own thing at times. Guess what, if we will turn back to God, if your earthly father will give you such wonderful things, how much more will your heavenly father? Solomon prayed when he dedicated the temple and he said, if when I, anywhere I am in the earth, if all of a sudden I turn and repent, will you hear? i I was reading and I was thinking about the prodigal and some of these old Testament and one of my favorite stories is that of Jehoshaphat, and remember he worshiped and sang and praised and we sang and we worship. But you remember Jehoshaphat was the king, and he rebelled against God. Second Chronicles, the 18th chapter says, Jehoshaphat had riches and honor and abundance, and then he joined affinity with Ahab. He started buddying up to Ahab, and Ahab was an wicked, evil king. Now, yes, he was, that was their cousins. That was their family. That was the people that lived up in the northern tribes. But Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, started buddying up with Ahab. Ahab had the wonderful wife, remember Jezebel? And finally, the prophet of God, Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord, therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. And you know what? Jehoshaphat did not repent. The Lord got in his face through the word of God and said, you should not be buddying up to Ahab. And all the 19th chapter, he just says, well, you know, I think I know best. That's my buddy. Then you turn over to the 20th chapter and it came to pass that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and all those behind, beside the Ammonites came up against Jehoshaphat to battle. Now, three enemy kings joined together to fight Jehoshaphat. He had a word in chapter 19. He knew he was doing wrong in the 18th chapter. He read a word from God in the 19th chapter. And then when he finally got in trouble in the 20th chapter, read what he did. Go ahead, turn the slide there. Jehoshaphat had somebody run into him and say, there is a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, they be in Hazazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat, Got emotional. He got scared. He feared. And you know what he did in response to his fear? He said, I'm turning around. I'm going to serve God. I don't care how bad you get in it and how bad and deep and problems and what your life is. If you will set yourself To seek after God. Proclaim a fast. And here's what he said. Here's how he prayed. Oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company which cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. For our eyes are let me tell you at some point as a dad i know we don't like to ever say we need help we don't ever like to say we're in pain we don't ever like to cry we don't but if we learn how to repent to our heavenly father and say lord i need you i'm sorry i got myself in a mess i know i did it i know it's my fault but i need your presence And you know what the Lord basically tells him? I'll fight this battle for you. You get your singers, you get your musicians, you get people that'll start praising the Lord, last slide, And, and he said, you send them out, And they start praising in the beauty of holiness. And as they went before the army, they began to say, Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord sent ambushments against the children of Ammon and Moab, Mount Seir. And they came up against Judah and they were smitten. The Lord commanded them, don't be afraid. When the enemy comes in like a flood, don't be afraid. Turn to your dad. When the enemy begins to pressure you, you see, that's where Jehoshaphat was. I need to make a league with Ahab so that we will protect one another. He made a league with Ahab not because he Liked what Ahab was doing, but this was his way of having someone to help him out of a jam. I want to tell you something. When you feel pressured to do something that's not from God, He is a gentleman. He stands at the door and knocks. He's a gentleman. He stands at the gate and waits. Are you going to come this way? Are you going to head this way? Oh, well, I don't understand why God. You know what? God is a better dad, much better than me. I, I've been known to put a little pressure on my children. In fact. Every once in a while, you know. All right. You clean your room, you'll get this or you'll get that. Now, probably none of you dads have ever done that. I've been one to say, now, if you. In fact, I told my girls when they were growing up, I said, as long as you're trying to live for God and do right, I'll do everything I can to help you. But when you stop doing right and doing good, there's missionaries that I'll send my money to. I didn't have a whole lot of money, so that wasn't a big <laughs> scare tactic. But oh, there have been times that I've said, you know, if you'll do this, I'll do. Maybe y'all have never done that. That's not the way our Heavenly Father does. He has a plan, it's a good plan. It's a plan that'll give us a lot of greatness, but you've gotta to choose to be willing to follow that plan. You've gotta humble yourself. You say, well, I, I, I wish, you know, the Lord would lightning bolt a few folks. I don't ever want him to do that because he might turn one on me. But we have a heavenly Father that loves us. As has already been said. You can meet him today. Let's stand.